Welcome to The Talk at Revolution, where each week we explore what it looks like to find Jesus and live like Him in a practical way. At Revolution Community Church, we know that we are better together. Each week, we look to celebrate Jesus, connect with others, and contribute to the church, community, and beyond. If you'd like to connect with Revolution or take a next step, please visit us at revolutioncc.org or at our Logansport, Indiana campus, located at 3930 East Market Street. Now, we hope you are encouraged and challenged by this talk. Hey, guys. What's going on? We're all good. How are you? Good. Doing well? Yes. Do you guys, you guys know about Easter? Yeah. What do you know about Easter? You get eggs. You, you get, get eggs? You, but in the grown-ups tell you it's, if you get warmer or hot, warmer or hotter. What do you know about the crucifixion and the resurrection? <laughs> Is that funny? On the Friday. Uh, maybe. No, it's a, it's the most wonderful miracle in the whole history. People put Jesus on a cross and threw stuff at him, like rocks and fruit. Fruit? Like a tomato. They throw, they, if they do bad stuff, they get food Yes, Michael. Just these the bunny poop takes out. Like lay them out. What did you say? Just a piece of bunny poops them out. So what did the people say when Jesus came back to life? Uh thought it was a dream. Or er, that's a, a dream. They said what? And they're kinda like what? but they they yawn. They were tired. No, they jumped for joy. Loud and had a party. What do people say? What, what would you say to Jesus if you saw him come back to life? I would scream to death. You would scream to death. Uh-huh. Uh huh. When is this talk over? You got somewhere to be. It's nine o'clock already. There's a rumor going around that Jesus and the Easter Bunny are related. What in the heck? We also uh, do Easter eggs on but my mom sends them out, not the Easter Bunny. We never get to find Easter eggs from the Easter Bunny. Is the Easter Bunny even real? I've... So what's, what's your favorite thing about Easter? Easter. Final thoughts. Awesome. Because Jesus died to wash our sins away. Yeah. Love it. Air high five. Say high five. Michael, air high five. Air knocks. Which one are you going to do? <laughs> Both. <laughs> All right. That was awesome. A lot of moments will stand out to me from that video. <laughs> well, happy Easter. Um, second service, third service, uh, 10 a.m. So glad you're here. Um, seeing some faces I haven't seen for a while. It's so cool. Um, it's just been an amazing weekend already. Just celebrating. I mean, you, you just, the passion of the songs that we just sang and, and, and every word is true and we are here to celebrate that. So um, can, can we just pray together real quick as we dive into this talk and, and the rest of the service. God, 
thank you so much for um, what, you've, what you've already done in this weekend. In, in just, um, we give this time to you. I pray that every word that would come out in the next few minutes that I share and, and you know, the rest of this time together would just make an eternal difference in this room and everybody online right now, God, that's watching on Easter or whenever they're watching, that, that, that you would move, that you would meet them where they're at in this time we share. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so there are four gospel accounts of the life of Jesus, um, first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, they were all wit- uh, written by eyewitnesses to the events or um, obtained through eyewitness accounts of what, of what happened. The earliest of the gospel writings, the first one that we believe was written down is the gospel of Mark, and he received his information from uh, Peter, one of the disciples. And, and what I want to start this talk with is the very first red letter words written down in the Gospel of Mark. The very first thing that Mark accounts Jesus as saying in the Gospel. It's in Mark chapter 1, verse 14. It says, After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And here, next verse, here it is. First red letter words of the Gospel of Mark, first words recorded from the mouth of Jesus in the earliest Gospel writing. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. This is the very first thing that Mark records as air rushed through Jesus' larynx and and vibrated the vocal cords and out came these first words of the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Turn over to the Gospel of Luke, and it it gives kind of a summary of what Jesus was doing in his ministry. In chapter 8, first verse, it says, After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Next chapter, Jesus sends his disciples out with a message. Luke chapter 9, it says, When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the, let's read it together this time, kingdom of God, and to heal the sick. So there's a connection here. We start to get a glimpse of maybe what this idea of the kingdom of God is. When, when, when the kingdom of God is present, there's like sickness is healed. And, and people that are possessed are set free. Like miracles take place in this thing called the kingdom of God. And then we transition. So from the gospels, we go to the book of Acts, which is the story of the early church. And so Jesus proclaims one more thing before he goes back to the Father. Here's what it says, first chapter of the book of Acts. Verse three, after his suffering, Jesus' suffering, his death and resurrection, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Way to go, Layla. So there's there's this month and a half window between the resurrection and the ascension and, and there's this limited amount of time, and Jesus uses that amount of time to continue proclaiming this thing called the kingdom of God. Let's go all the way to the end of the story, the early church that we have within Scripture, uh, and, and very last two verses of the book of Acts. For two whole years, Paul, and by the way, Paul, very important figure in the early church. He wrote the book of Ephesians that we're going to actually be going over starting next week for a couple months. Um, he, it says, for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Last verse of the book of Acts. 
He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. If I could summarize what Jesus was all about in one phrase, it's the kingdom of God. The the message of Jesus, the, the gospel message, the good news, that's what that word means, is all about my kingdom has come. The kingdom of God is available, it is here, you can live in it, you can live for it. The kingdom of God has come. And at this point, many of us are like, what in the world does that even mean though? Like, what is this, some King Arthur Easter talk? I mean, kingdom of God, I mean, Game of Thrones, kind of, what is this, Lord of the Rings, what's going on here? Because we don't, we don't use words like king, kingdom much anymore. People back in Jesus' day, they would have understood this. And, and so, so think of it like this. Everyone has a kingdom in, in the sense of the way we're using the word. Your kingdom is the area of your life where what you say goes. You're like, that is a very small area (laughs) where what you say actually goes. Maybe somewhere within work or home or life or whatever. Uh, Philosopher, theologian Dallas Willard, he describes it like this. A kingdom is the range of your effective will. It's, It's where what you want to have happen, happens. And we learned very early on, we are made for a kingdom. We are made to build a kingdom. We are made to live for a kingdom. It's actually like in the divine image of God on our lives, we we see this show up in the first chapter of the Bible. It says this in Genesis one, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, fowl of the air. Dominion's a kingdom word. Part of the image of God on our lives is we are made to be kingdom builders, kingdom rulers. We are made for this. It's why we don't like to be told what to do. Right? It's why leadership is so hard because leadership is trying to move people in a, a direction of you know, following Jesus more and, and stepping outside of comfort zones at times and like trying to push people forward without invading their kingdom too much. It's difficult. This is why whenever I tell my wife to do something, she never does it. And you're like, why do you do that? I don't do that. Because that strategy does not, you try to tell your wife, you better say, please change that tone, right? This, this is why a, a two-year-old's favorite word is what? No, that's a kingdom word. What's another one? Mine. That's, yeah, that is a kingdom word, right? Mine. And, and we, as parents, we get so frustrated because this, this little two-year-old that can't even speak a full sentence yet has totally taken over and ransacked the kingdom. And everything's mine, right? Um, and as kids get older, they, they start to really define their kingdom and, and individualize their kingdom called their room. And, and they put signs on the door like, no boys allowed. And when the brothers break through the gates of the kingdom, the young maiden yells out again, Dad, the boys are in my room again. And the elder king has to rush in and save the day once again. Um, my, my wife and I, I was thinking about it. We used to have bigger kingdoms. Like our house was our house. And for, I promise this is true. First house we ever bought, I turned the dining room into a billiards room. 
I was so naive. I thought that was normal. I thought you just, I had like band posters on the wall and sports memorabilia. Those band posters have not seen the light of day in years, collecting dust in our attic right now. Our kingdoms are much smaller now. My wife's kingdom has been shrunk down to a small area of our bedroom where she hides kingdom treasures. You might call them Twinkies and Thin Mint Cookies. This is true. Yes, there is. Because if we have to hide the treasures in the kingdom, or the, if the boys find them, they're gone in one night. You got to hide that stuff. My, here, here's all that's left of my kingdom. This is all I have left right here. That's it. And the kids know this is henceforth the Father's kingdom throne. And, and if you are under the age of 18 and I want to sit there and you're sitting there, you can be thrown out of the kingdom onto our big bean bag that's right next to it just for that such purpose but we 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 want like we're made for a kingdom we're made to build a kingdom houses are kingdoms um yards are kingdoms like get off my lawn that's a kingdom phrase right there cars are kingdoms uh companies cities states countries and in all of our little kingdoms add up to what we could call the kingdom of the earth how are things going on the kingdom of the earth? Two weeks ago, we were reminded again as 10 people were shot and killed in Boulder, Colorado. And it seems like every day over the past two weeks, news is broken of some sort of shooting in America. Somewhere between 700,000 and 1 million abortions happen annually in the United States of America. Dozens of children that have been separated from their, parent, their families at the southern border right now. What's happened in Myanmar. God, break our heart for what breaks yours. I mean, I could just keep going. But see, these things are things that transpire when sin and selfishness enters a kingdom. These kinds of problems arise because our kingdoms start colliding with one another and we fight over what's ours and we hold tightly to our castles and our treasures and we become selfish and hateful and vengeful and power hungry. And that's why Jesus came to give us another option. That was the central message of Jesus was the kingdom of God has come. There's a better kingdom that you can live for. It's a bigger and better kingdom. And yeah, and there's nothing wrong with building some earthly kingdom type stuff, but we are not ultimately made for these kingdoms. We are made to seek another kingdom first and to build another kingdom and fight for another kingdom and spread another kingdom. And when we live for that kingdom, this other earth stuff takes care of itself. I mean, that's exactly what Jesus said in Matthew 6. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. That's the plan of Jesus. I'm bringing another kingdom. There's another option that you can live for. So what, what, what's the kingdom of God? Let, let me simply put it. Remember, a, a kingdom, it's the range of your effective will. So the kingdom of God is wherever God's, the place where everything happening is how God intended it. Everything is just the way God and, and what's so awesome is Jesus gave us so many hints of what this looks like, what the kingdom of God looks like. Matthew 18, 4, he says, Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, and whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. That's the kingdom of God. 
This is why we love kids at Revolution Community Church right here. This is why I don't care if it's completely quiet when I'm giving a talk, because when there's noise in this room, that means we're reaching the next generation of people here in this community and beyond. We love kids, yeah, come on. Like we empower the next generation now. This is why I encourage everybody, serve in next-gen ministries because there is nothing closer to the heart of God than empowering and discipling and loving and caring for children. It's the heart of God. It's the kingdom of God. Luke 14, another hint Jesus gives us. He, he tells this great story. It's a long chapter, so we don't have time to look at it, but he talks about how the kingdom of God is like a feast and everyone is invited. Read it later. The crippled, the lame, the broken, the lost, everybody's invited. On every single entrance of this room, it says, Sundays are a party where the family gets together and we're always expecting guests. And if you're a guest with us today, it does not matter what your past looks like, it doesn't matter what happened this week, it doesn't matter what baggage you're carrying, welcome to the party, you're invited, you're accepted, you belong in this family called Revolution. This is the kingdom of God. That's what it's supposed to be about. Let's show Romans chapter 14. I think it's Romans 14. Let me look it up. 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Imagine a society just full to the brim of righteousness, peace, and joy. Just full. Righteousness, peace, and joy. That's the kingdom of God. Imagine a society where we, we look out for the, the outcasts, those that are secluded, and we invite them in. That's the kingdom of God. Imagine a, a society, a community that eliminated gossip and backbiting. That's the kingdom of God. See, Jesus had this plan. See, the whole plan of Jesus was to bring more of up there down here. My kingdom come. It was the first red letter words that the gospel of Mark recorded. It was what he sent the disciples out to proclaim the kingdom of God. It was the message he handed off to the early church. And we even see this terminology show up in the most famous prayer ever that we have spent 47 days looking at here at the Revolution, Revolution Community Church, the Lord's Prayer. And if you know it with me, say it with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The prayer wasn't, God, get me out of here so I can go up there. The prayer was, your kingdom come. See, so many Christ followers, we think the point of following Jesus is to get the afterlife taken care of. Like I just, I just got to get that taken care of. And we have people even reach out like wanting like infant baptism or something like that, which we don't do at Revolution, like, like wanting our eternity to somehow be secure. We, we've shrunk the gospel into fire insurance. Like we, instead of praying the Lord's Prayer, we pray the Star Trek Prayer. Any, any Star Trek fans in the room? Remember that prayer in Star Trek? They prayed to a guy named Scotty. Beam me up, Scotty. Like we're like, God, it's so hard down here. Just, oh, just take me up there. Beam me up there. And of course, the gospel of Jesus includes the forgiveness of our sins that we could never earn. Of course, it includes the promise of eternity with God. I am so, so thankful for that. But when we limit it to that, we miss the main thing Jesus came for. Jesus didn't just come to die on a cross so we could be forgiven of sins and go to heaven one day. Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God to earth. Jesus said, pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We, we, are, we are to pray this, and more than that, we are to live this. 
Like that our lives would somehow like bring God's kingdom more to earth. This is to be our life. This is what the church is all about. So let me ask, do you believe this can still happen? Do you believe this can happen? Because this past year has beat us up a little bit, hasn't it? I I know, like for many of us, it has shaken our faith quite a bit. So do you still believe this message that the kingdom of God through our lives can be more present on this planet? Friends, I believe this with everything in me. Despite what's happened the past 12 months, I believe this with everything in me. Here's one big reason I believe it, because we see it in the life of Jesus. Like Jesus lived on this broken planet just like us, and he brought the kingdom. He lived a selfless life of love. He cared for the least of these. He went to all kinds of parties, especially when the outcast was invited to the party. He lifted up children. He modeled true servant leadership. And then in the ultimate example of up there coming down here, he was resurrected. Do you know what the biggest difference between down here and up there is? Biggest difference. Down here is full of death. Up there is full of life. And in a moment, in the biggest moment in the history of humanity, up there collided with down here in a tomb outside the city of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago when a Jewish carpenter by the name of Yeshua, by the power of the Spirit of God, Jesus Christ, walked out of a grave. Hey, come on, let's do it like we mean it. I know this can happen. I know this can happen. The resurrection happened. Here's the other reason I know this can happen. Have we forgotten the hundreds of lives within this community of faith where heaven has met earth in their life, in your life, in your life? where the kingdom of God has come and changed everything. Here's one of those stories. I'm Michael Miller. I'm Kelsey Miller. And together you are... The Miller family. And Thanos. And there he goes, Thanos. started with revolution back on the old campus and it was an Easter service and and I recall uh, distinctly just the the calling that it was that I needed to give my life to Christ and uh, we took the stones and we took them up to the cross and I remember um, talking to you shortly after um, through all of this just making a commitment that that I wanted to give my life to Christ and I wanted to bring a family up through Christ as well um, circled around the church and have that church family Um, And I think without that, um, you know, our journey and our next steps and and being able to rely on him through all of this, I I don't know how I would have done it. So a few years into marriage, um, a struggle kind of arose. And and, I mean, this amazing kingdom come story. I'm so excited for our church to hear it. But but take us back to those days and, and that struggle. We always knew from even prior to getting married, we wanted a family. And 
our vision, our thought was a natural birth and we were going to have our own family. You know, as a woman, you want to bear your own children. Um, and that was my goal. We started our infertility treatments in 2012. We decided to um, go through IVF, which is a more invasive procedure. We did that in 2014, and after that, we did end up with a positive pregnancy, only to find out days or a week later that it was um, an unsuccessful pregnancy. Um, going through the fertility um, treatments and unsuccessful IVFs, um, it was just heartbreaking. It was very emotional, and I did keep to myself a lot just because I didn't really know who to turn to on or what to say, you know, it's just kind of awkward, but... And it's hard, too, because you're a young couple, and people think, when are you going to start having yeah, kids? And you, you get those constant and questions, and... It's hard. It's very hard, I mean, to have and facilitate those conversations, um, because, like, nobody knows your story, nobody knows your journey, um, and just having those conversations often, I mean, you, you, we have some selfish conversations about things, too, um, you know, like, why not us? And, uh, at that time, going through through just seeing the heartache that we both experienced, but seeing your wife go through that, um, and and for our families too, um, uh, her family, my family, being along with us throughout the whole journey, uh, it was just very tough. I mean, we cried a lot. We were mad. We were angry um, financially, like I said, just emotionally, spiritually. Like it was tiring. You said that that was kind of a moment where you felt maybe God was leading. Some, in some different directions. We came back home, and then I was recovering, still very groggy, um, just in a lot of pain, you know. And I realized I got a phone call from an unknown number. I answered it, and was the adoption agency saying that they had an eight-week-old baby boy. So the, the same day of the procedure was the same day you got this phone call. I'm feeling like maybe God's doing something here, writing a story. It's not exactly as you imagined it, but something was happening. So yeah, tell us about what happened from that phone call then. So all along, Michael and I, we kept praying to God that he would lead us into his direction. Um, and yeah, we felt like this is the direction that we are being called. Um, so once we got that phone call of our, an eight-week-old baby boy, um, we decided to set up an interview to see um, what's going on with him and just a little background on him. And so we went there a week later and interviewed with the whole team. And we found out the next morning that we were chosen to be his parents. We're now two weeks out from Christmas, um, and, and he was going to be placed with us. Um, and you talk about an absolute blessing and gift from God uh, right before Christmas. Uh, Mason came into our lives, and uh, it's just been such a blessing. So, you know, kingdom come story, like God's writing something, and, and every, it seems like every time God writes a story like this, there's moments along the way where he just reveals, hey, I'm still working, I'm, I'm in this, I'm writing this story, I'm with you. Um, and one of the moments that you mentioned to me was finding out Mason's middle name. Uh, the 
caseworker and everything, they actually ended up naming him, and his middle name was Samuel. But I did, um, I did really connect with Hannah in the story in the Bible, um, just with her struggles uh, with childbearing, and you know she stayed faithful to God and she cried out to Him and she prayed to Him, and He answered her prayer and her son. And so again, like kingdom come, like God is bringing more of his kingdom to earth through this story he's writing with your family. Uh, small moments along the way, but also big moments. And there was this really awesome big moment, unexpected. You just tell us the story. Um, in 2017, um, I was just scrolling on the Today Show and found a Father's Day contest. And it was a 50-word essay um, about a dad, you know, and, and it could, yeah. So anyways. Um, so it was all tied. I, it was yeah. all tied to the MLB All Star Game that was upcoming that summer, and yeah. so they were looking for All Star dads, right? Yes. Um, so. So yeah, I typed up a fifty word essay. I have no idea what I said. The only thing <laughs> I can remember is Michael is a principal, so I said that he is a father to over four hundred students. Four hundred kids. Specifically. Oh yeah, yeah, kids. Four hundred kids. So um, and even when the Today Show called and said that we were a finalist, they said that that really caught their eye. Yes. Mm-hmm. 